Hello, friends, Hello. and welcome to the message today. I'm Jenny. I'm Mariana. Yes, and we are excited to share this time with you. After the message, um, we're going to be sitting down with Alan and having mm -hmm. a conversation that we kind of have been doing for a while now, but I'm really enjoying them. So stick around after that. Yes, it's a good time to ask mm -hmm. questions and process together. Maybe you enjoy just like sitting on it for a while and unpacking a little bit more yeah. and insights and thoughts so we'd love for you to stick around also guys we have lots of stuff going on here and if you have not downloaded our app yet be sure to do that there's all of our events things that are happening upcoming things things that have already happened yeah. so you can kind of see what's going on we've got our giving on there as well mm -hmm. um but yeah we hope you enjoy the message today Hey, Christ community, it is so good to uh, be a part of your spiritual journey today. Before we jump into the message, I want to take a moment and mention that in a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating baptism in our services. So if you are a believer in Jesus and have never been baptized as a believer, I would urge you to obey Jesus in this way. Baptism is something that Jesus commanded us to do as his followers. It's a, it's a way to publicly declare our allegiance to him. Now, maybe you were baptized as an infant, which was really more a reflection of your parents' desire for you. So in believer's baptism, you are owning your faith and you're publicly declaring that you are following Jesus. So if you're interested in getting baptized, there's a simple process we ask you to do. It is all online. Watch a short video, fill out a form. It is very easy. You can check out our newsletter for more information. And if you are interested in being baptized, but not necessarily in person, maybe more in a small group or whatever, there is information for you as well. And by the way, the weekend of our baptism is also the weekend that we're going to be celebrating our 120-year anniversary as a church. So it's going to be a great weekend of celebration. Well, today we are in the second week of a three-part teaching series called Crazy Generosity. In this series, we're exploring this question, how can we grow in our experience of generosity. We all know that generosity is a huge value to Jesus and is incredibly life-giving for us to experience. I mean, it's something that we all wanna grow in. So how does that happen? How can we grow in our experience of generosity? Now, I don't know about you, but there are all sorts of approaches to this topic that kind of turned me off, you know, like emotionally manipulative appeals. You know, remember that commercial for abused animals with Sarah McLaughlin singing angels? I mean, come on, you know, I care about angels, but I don't like being manipulated to give financially to some cause. Although it was effective, uh, that organization received $30 million in donations in response to that <clears throat> commercial. I also don't appreciate guilt-ridden appeals, you know, filled with shoulds and ought tos. What is most helpful for me is to see an example of someone who is modeling a level of generosity that is inspiring to me personally. So in this three-week series, we are focusing on an incredibly inspiring example of a group of people in the Bible who were crazy generous. I mean, seriously, they demonstrated a generosity that to the world around them seemed crazy, and yet it warmed the heart of God. Now, we read about them in the book of 2 Corinthians, which is a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is wanting to help the Corinthians grow 
in their generosity. So he shares with them this amazing example. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 4. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace God has given to the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. These Macedonian churches provide an incredible example to us of generosity. In this passage, we, we learn some practical ways we can grow in our experience of generosity. The last week, Pastor Stetson did an incredible job in this passage describing how so often our fear keeps us from generosity and how God's grace enables us to overcome that fear. So if you missed that amazing message, I urge you to check it out. It was so good. Well, today I want us to look at another spiritual component that when fully alive in our hearts will create a momentum for generosity in our lives. Look with me again at verse two. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So Paul is talking here about this welling up of generosity that happened in these people's lives. And what's fascinating is that it happened in the midst of a severe trial and extreme poverty. I don't know about you, but those two elements in my life, trials and poverty, don't usually stir up a response of generosity. But somehow they do in the lives of these Macedonians. So why is that? Well, the reason is because of this crucial added ingredient. Looking at verse 2, their overflowing joy welled up in rich generosity. That's what changed the entire dynamic. In the midst of difficult circumstances and financial struggles, these people were experiencing overflowing joy. And that overflowing joy resulted in overflowing generosity. There is a direct connection between these two things. Joyful people are generous people. Someone who is overflowing with joy in their lives will also be overflowing with generosity. So what exactly is the connection between joy and generosity? Well, there are actually two specific aspects of joy that naturally stir generosity within us. The first is the joy of experiencing the lavish love of God. The Macedonians were experiencing an overflowing joy that had nothing to do with their circumstances. It was a joy that was rooted in the overflowing impact of the gospel in their lives. As we talked about in the last teaching series on the topic of joy, the foundation for our experience of joy is the gospel. It's the reality that because of Jesus' work on the cross, we have a God who delights in us, who smiles at us, who sees us through the lens of his favor and grace. He is a God whose love is lavishly being poured out upon us like a waterfall over and above what we could ever imagine. When we begin to taste, to really taste of the depth of this love, not just in our mind, but also in our, in our experience, that changes our whole perspective on life. 
including our experience of generosity. The more we tap into the joy of the Lord, his lavish love and delight being poured out upon us, the more generous we become with our resources, not out of guilt or obligation, not out of fear of punishment or out of emotional manipulation. No, our generosity flows from our joy. Again, joyful people are generous people which means that if your experience of generosity is not where you want it to be, the answer to that is not guilt or willpower or trying hard. No, the answer to that is to cultivate joy, to practice joy. For example, in the previous series, we talked about the incredible power of practicing appreciation, where we not only thank God for his blessings, but we actually refeel the joy they initially brought into our lives. See, one of the things that happens when we do that is that it cultivates a deeper contentment in our hearts and lives. We're not focused on what we don't have, looking for something bigger and better you know, to bring us joy. No, we're focused on what we do have and are grateful for and appreciative of that, which is a total countercultural thing. I mean, the entire marketing world is built on this idea of convincing us that we need something else in order to truly be happy, that we're missing out unless we have the iPhone 13 rather than the iPhone 12 or or the 65-inch television screen rather than that tiny little dinky 55-inch screen, right? Or we need the larger house or the larger car, the new kitchen counters or fixtures or whatever. I mean, this is the world that we live in. It is constantly telling us that our lives will not be complete unless we purchase this or we own that. And what inevitably happens over time is that this stirs this discontent with what we do have, and it ultimately robs us of joy. I think this is one of the biggest barriers to joy in our society right now. It's it's comparison focusing on what we don't have rather than being grateful for what we do have. And this directly impacts our generosity. See, think about this. If I'm focusing on what I don't have and what I'm missing by not having that, then I'm going to direct my finances to fix that. I'm going to spend money to purchase these things. And pretty soon, a larger and larger amount of our, my, our budget is spent keeping up with our wants. So then... When someone brings up this idea of being generous, that feels to us like a threat. It's keeping us from what I want, right? It's keeping me from what I want. It feels like it's a threat, but that's a total lie. It's consumerism that's actually keeping us from experiencing the joy our hearts long for. We're never satisfied. When we practice joyful appreciation, When we cultivate contentment, it frees our hearts to overflow in generosity. One of the best examples of this is found in Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol, uh, which tells the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. Scrooge is this bitter, wealthy miser caught in a vacuous vortex of greed, hoarding for himself, overworking and underpaying his one employee, Bob Cratchit charging exorbitant interest rates to to those who have borrowed money from him in order to, you know, just to survive, but he's charging these huge interest rates. Scrooge lives a life of misery and isolation. I mean, as his money eats away at the final vestiges of his heart. 
And then he experiences a miracle. He is visited by three ghosts who reveal to him the joy of Christmas past, the needs of people in the present, and the darkness of his future. And when, when, when Scrooge wakes up from the third experience, he realizes that he has the opportunity to change the trajectory of his life. And suddenly, he has a second chance, and suddenly joy fills his heart. My family watches the musical version of this movie every Christmas Eve. I never tire of seeing that final scene in the movie as he runs outside and he he's buy, begins buying gifts for children and canceling the debts of those who owed him money. He is laughing and dancing. He's overflowing with joy and with generosity. I have seen this movie every Christmas Eve for the past 30 years. And every time something in my heart gets stirred, as I realize again, that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be that kind of a man, that kind of a follower of Jesus, who is so filled with joy in God's grace being given to me that generosity freely flows from me into the lives of others. How fully are you experiencing the lavish love of God being poured out upon you? See, one way to measure that is to look at your generosity. Does it reflect the overflowing, lavish love of God upon your life? Now, there's another aspect of joy that we see in this passage and that naturally stirs generosity within us. And that is the joy of partnering in ministry. Look again at verse four. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Now, this is hard for us to even envision in our minds. Here are these people in desperate poverty who are begging for the opportunity to give to this need. I mean, where does that ever happen? Usually it's the other way around. Someone in need, almost always, someone in need is begging and pleading for others to give to them. But that's not what's happening here. It's the opposite. So what would be going on in someone's heart to have this, this attitude toward giving? Well, Paul's language here helps provide the answer. Look again, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. They considered it a, an absolute joy, a privilege to give. Why? Because in doing so, Paul says, they were sharing in this service to the Lord's people. This word sharing is the Greek word koinonia, which speaks of a relational connection, a partnership. And this word service is the Greek word diakonos. It speaks of ministry. What brought joy to these believers' hearts was knowing that their financial gifts were being used to further the ministry of God among his people. Now, we know from other passages of Scripture that this particular need being referred to here in this passage was a sister church, the church in Jerusalem, who was experiencing a severe famine and financial hardship. They were struggling. And so when Paul let the Macedonians know about this need, they urgently pleaded with him for the privilege of giving to this need. It brought joy to their hearts 
to share in this service to the Lord's people. They knew that in helping the sister church, they were relationally partnering in the kingdom of God, advancing in a greater way. And that filled them with joy. For a follower of Jesus, there is huge joy found in generously giving resources to help more people experience Jesus' love. But more, but more than that, as we see here, there is an extra measure of joy when this giving is done, when it occurs in a relational context, when it truly is a partnership. I mean, it's one thing to give money to some organization that's providing for a spiritual need somewhere around the world. I mean, and that's certainly worthwhile. But for me, what makes my generosity more joy-filled is when I am in ministry partnership, when I am sharing with people that I'm actually in relationship with. This is one of the reasons that I personally find great joy in giving financially to our church. I love the fact that when I give to our church, I get to see the impact of that giving. I get to see that lives are being changed by my partnership, by my sharing in this kingdom outpost, my generosity to this kingdom outpost, to this church. A friend of mine who's a part of this church recently described this difference using a golf analogy. He, uh, he, he, he described it this way. When, when I'm hitting golf balls on the driving range, I hit a ball and then I hit another ball. I just keep sending balls out there. But when I play an actual round of golf, I hit the ball and then I get to follow that ball to the hole. I get to see where it ends up after each shot. See, when, when we give financially to our church family, we are not just launching gifts out there, not knowing where they end up. No, we actually have the privilege of following those gifts, of seeing the impact they are having in people's lives. Two weeks ago, at the end of a message, I, I gave an invitation for people to receive Christ. And there was one person sitting near the front in our worship service, one person sitting near the front who we could see from stage, we could see was actually saying that prayer with me. Someone's life was being eternally impacted by a worship service here. I mean, think of all the elements that contributed to that. The furniture and sound equipment in the sanctuary. The loving environment provided by our hospitality team. The opportunity for me to have time to prepare a message. The children's ministry that enabled this person to engage in our service without being distracted. All of our giving to this church helped make that moment happen. We get to be a part of the impact while every church is far from perfect, you got to admit that God's design for the church is brilliant because the church has so many amazing purposes. For one thing, the church is a family. It is a gathered group of people who are literally a family for anyone needing love and acceptance. How many lonely, isolated people have found friendship and community through this church family, either online or in person? Our college ministry puts college students in host homes where they regularly experience a home-cooked meal around a table with friends. We are helping people experience family. The church is also a body where everyone is valued and plays a critical role. I love how so many people in our church joyfully serve 
in various areas of ministry, all of which are possible because of people's generosity to this church. The church is also a hospital, providing emotional, spiritual, relational, and physical support for people in need. Every week, listen, every week, there are multiple people in crisis who reach out to our church and receive help. I was just talking with a married couple in our, in our lobby a few weeks ago who were on the brink of divorce a few years ago. They reached out to church for help. They're now in a healthy marriage. There are people who have been freed from addictions, healed of emotional pain. There are people who have found hope in the midst of hopelessness. That stuff is happening all the time around here. When we give to our church, we are partnering in that kind of stuff happening. Because of people's generosity, we're able to have dedicated staff people who can devote their full attention to people in need and to various areas of ministry throughout the week. I mean, the church ministry impact goes far beyond weekend services. There are middle and high school students that are impacted every Wednesday night. We, we, we just hosted yesterday a finally home event to provide training and support for foster families. I mean, foster care is one of the most difficult things anyone in our community could say yes to. And we want to be a church that's there for foster families and champion them. We had 42 people there, many of whom are not a part of our church. This is something we're planning to do a few times a year. The church is happening throughout the week. And it's not only a family and a body and a hospital. It's also a training center. We are helping equip people to walk in love and to experience joy and to grow in their relationship with Jesus. We've had over 130, 130 people take our Experiencing Intimacy with Jesus course this past year. Right now, we have a group of people at an Alpha retreat in Estes Park. These people are exploring who Jesus is. The reason they can go on that retreat is because of your generosity. Alpha is a budgeted item in our general fund, which leads into another purpose of the church. The church is a gospel movement. When we give to our church, we are partnering with amazing leaders around the world who are investing their lives in the extension of God's kingdom. Just a few weeks ago, 34 Muslims in a Middle Eastern country were baptized by a church planter that we as a church help support. Just this past week, we had a team of people in Kenya who were gathering with leaders from several different countries, all of whom are a part of our International Training Institute, which provides training for pastors and church planters who would not be able to afford this kind of training. We intentionally created this material to be transferable so that now people who went through the training are training others. This is now becoming an exponential movement of leadership development. And you are partnering with that when you give to this church. I love giving to our church because I see the lives of people that are impacted by this ministry. I believe in what God is doing here. And I love the fact that together our generosity can make a much bigger impact than individually. We truly are partnering together, sharing in this service to the Lord's people. I mean, we, as, as a part of the church, we all care about what happens here, which makes our giving to our church more meaningful. What a joy it is for us to actually be a part of the impact of our church in the lives of real people all around us. I mean, this kind of joy, this kind of generosity just multiplies 
There's a high school senior in our church who decided that for her senior project, she wanted to collect donations for the newborn intensive care unit at the hospital. So she approached us and we were like, absolutely, we would love to partner in this. And so one of our love gives opportunities right now is this project. We can partner our generosity towards together to make an impact in the lives of families of newborns who are going through a really hard time. You know, Raylene and I were recently reminded of the joy of experiencing this relational component of our generosity. Like many of you, last February, we we signed up to sponsor uh, two children through our church's partnership with Compassion International. Over 250 children in Colique, Peru, were sponsored by people in our church that weekend, which is Awesome. You guys are amazing. Well, last weekend, last week, actually, Compassion invited Raylene and I to a pastor couples retreat down in Arizona. And there were maybe just like 25 pastors and spouses there. It wasn't a huge group. So one evening, as we were gathered in a room after dinner, one of the Compassion leaders got up and began to introduce a video. He said, this is for Chris and Diana. And they were, they were sitting right there. This is for Chris and Diana. And then a video started with this couple's sponsored child and his parents saying thank you for sponsoring him. And then there was another video like that for another couple in the room. And pretty soon he said, this next video is for Alan and Raylene. And we watched a video of this precious, spunky nine-year-old girl named Maria introducing us to her cat and her mom and her sister and showing us her home, and then thanking us for being her sponsor and helping her with food and hygiene kits and, and, and all of that. And I mean, I'm telling you, that moment was the highlight of my week. It was the highlight of my week. I mean, here we are in a beautiful resort with beautiful, a beautiful location with great food and afternoons by the swimming pool and golf, but the most joy-filled moment of that entire stay was seeing Maria's smile and seeing her family and hearing her call us by name. Whatever negative ideas and perceptions we may have in our minds about generosity, about giving, let me, let me state something that God wants us to fully hear today. Generosity is fun. It is fun. It opens a door for us to impact real people with the love of Jesus. What could be more fun than that? It's no coincidence that a bit later in this passage in 2 Corinthians, as Paul is bringing this generosity conversation to a conclusion, he says this, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, what's fascinating is that this word translated cheerful is the Greek word hilaros. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> you know, it's the word from which we get our word hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. He is not impressed with our reluctant, tight-fisted, obligatory gifts, but his heart lights up. His heart rejoices when he sees his children experiencing the overflowing joy of financial generosity. How joyful are you and me? Let's pray together.
So let's just quiet our hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. In fact, I want to encourage you. There are two questions that I want each one of us encourage us to ask Jesus in the quiet of our heart. Just ask Jesus and then listen to his response. So here's the first question. Jesus, just in the quiet of your heart, ask the Lord this. Jesus, are there places in my life where comparison and consumerism are robbing me of the joy of contentment, the joy of generosity? And if the Lord brings something to mind, just repent of that. Just confess it. And let his lavish love wash over you. He delights in you because of Jesus. He, he delights in you. He loves you. Let his love wash over you. Experience the joy of being delighted in by God. And God, would you just let that love impact our contentment, our appreciation for the things that we have? Here's the second question. I encourage you to ask Jesus right now. Jesus, are there places you are inviting me to joyfully partner in what you are doing in people's lives? And if, if so, Jesus, show each one of us what our next step might be. So let me just mention, if God is inviting you to financially partner in what he is doing in this church family, or maybe you've been involved, but you want to increase that or whatever, there are so many simple ways to do that. One of the easiest ways is through our app or, or our website. You can give a one-time gift, or you can set up a recurring gift, which is an option that Raylene and I utilize as a way to make sure our heart to give actually happens, right? Our intent to give, when it's when it's recurring and it, it's done without us even thinking about it, it just is a way to make sure our heart's desire actually happens. You can also use our text to give option. You can mail your gifts if you're in person. You can use our giving stations. And let me just say thank you for your generosity, so many of you, for your generosity towards the amazing work God is doing through this church. Let me, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the joy of generosity. It's fun. And God, if we have lost sight of that, would you help us regain that joy of overflowing in generosity? So we love you, God. We thank you for the privilege and the joy of growing in generosity. And we, we acknowledge that 
You are such a generous God towards us. Thank you for that. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello. Thank you, Alan, for that. I know that this has been, on Monday we talked about, you were like, this is kind of like my third you know, processing of it because there's there's so much. There's so much you can bring into this topic alone. And it's what perspective do you come at? You know? Yeah, that's really the challenge. I mean, it was it was more of wanting to talk about generosity in a way that's inspiring, you know, rather than, you know, sometimes it can feel uh, different than that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, my first two the sermons, I did one, I was like, ah, I don't like that. And then I redid it, and I was like, ah, I don't think that's going to work. So, yeah, it was like a complete revision three times. And I hopefully kind of <laughs> landed on a place where I felt like it was inspiring me, at least, to talk about it. Yeah. And that felt good. Yeah. And I think it's a great opportunity that you had to share a lot of stories that maybe we don't get to hear uh-huh. much on a regular basis. Even today, before we yes. came here to record, there was a person messaging us on the website and somebody who lost their job and needed help with her son. And she's never been to our church, you know, wow. so it's so cool to like, I need help. And they know they can come here and we can listen to them and pray for them, you know, mm-hmm. introduce them to Jesus. And, you know, she might be coming this weekend and help her with holiday stuff. So That's it's so cool. there's just these stories happening all the time that it's it's a great thing to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Uh, what God is doing here through the church. Yeah, and a lot of times we don't have the time to, you know, share some of those stories or whatever. And so this message provided an opportunity mm-hmm. of just why I love mm-hmm. our church and, and the things that yeah. God is doing and to be able to talk about some of those things. Yeah. Here, now, here's something I want to ask the two of you. Uh, when you're talking about joyful people are generous people, I was thinking um, I may feel pretty joyful. I don't know if I necessarily feel immediately like, let me go out and give away a lot of money. But it was, it was such a good food for thought. Because then I started thinking, you know, how does this, when I feel this kind of joy and, you know, what awareness of what God is doing, it does come out. It's not that it doesn't, but it just made me think like different ways that maybe we're expressing generosity. So like time is mm-hmm. such yep. a great resource that we have in hand as well, in addition to money. And maybe, you know, you're giving out generously in your affirmation and uh, compliments. You know, wor- so I was thinking mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of love languages, you know, mm-hmm. how you express that, mm-hmm. that generous giving and blessing toward others. So I don't know, I just thought like, obviously the point here is to challenge us in, or to bring our attention to this one language of way of expressing our generosity, mm-hmm. but maybe like there, there are different ways that we are being generous, but speaking different languages mm-hmm. of giving, of service, and volunteering. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so many ways that we can be so invested in other yeah. people and maybe it's not coming out through money. That's kind of where my mind was going. It's like on a level of like relational generosity, you yes. know, and what does that look like in people that you're close with? And yeah, it's, it's a whole different plane of generosity, but. Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of, it goes back to the joy series when we talked about being in enemy mode. Remember mm-hmm. like when we're in enemy mode, 
our joy you know switches off we talked about that when we engage you know with people that we're curious we're attentive we make eye contact i think it puts us in a place to be more relationally generous mm-hmm. right um i think this this sermon was probably a little more of an opportunity to broaden it sure. to not just, hey, I'm giving my time or I'm giving my attention. Those are really important relationally. Mm-hmm. But also to think about that area as it relates to our money, mm-hmm. which tends to be the biggest struggle, mm-hmm. I think, for us in terms of generosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's encouraging to me rather than thinking, oh, man, I'm not generous. It's like, no, I am. Yes. Yeah. But maybe I'm very fluent in some of these languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you think of lovely, you know, I'm very fluent on this one. I'm, I'm average uh-huh. on this one. I'm less on this one. I want to practice <laughs> right. these, other lang- these other ways yes. of being generous, which finances would be one of them. Yeah, no, that's good. So that was, that was something that encouraged me. Yeah. I think these kind of... Uh, messages and stuff when they come at this time of the year when we are like ramping up you know to have our amazon carts full (laughs) (laughs) why do i always talk about amazon (laughs) (laughs) and my addiction but like we're it's it's a perfect time of year to really kind of be like checking your heart pulse on that and really be looking at you know what are the what are the needs in my home versus the needs outside of my home versus the needs in community world, you know, mm-hmm. and really kind of starting to take an inventory on like where I find my heart and head wanting to go first um, and starting to practice this place of going, what would it look like to go to this place of generosity first and then look at like my wants and my, you know, my kids' wants and that kind of a thing. But yeah, yeah, I think it's. We talked about that a while back. That oh, we did of, of an Amazon. A the wish list. List. We were here, and it, it was, was the generosity a wish list, right, wish list. And just that contrast. I of, haven't done that. Yeah, and it was such, such a, a good idea. <laughs> well, and what's coming we to my mind is like we're just like uh, we're a few weeks away from. Black Friday, and you know right. that Thursday newspaper where <laughs> it's literally like this thick of yes. all the advertisements, and I can feel the pull like, oh, you Best Buy, what do they have? And Target, that's a great deal. Like, I didn't, exactly, yeah. I didn't even need it before. Right. No, and, and so the- I think, yeah, I just think being aware of that, it's like this, it's coming, and yeah. our hearts are going to be pulled that direction, yeah. and recognizing it, hold it, and what do I really need, yeah. you know, and um, and thinking about even our Christmas experience mm-hmm. uh, personally through a lens of generosity rather than just, oh, I need this, this, this. I need right. once we see, you know, right. the commercials and, and oh, no, the panic. I, there's a good deal. You know, the, Black Friday. <laughs> the fear of missing out well, is yes. a good deal. Yes. It adds an adrenaline piece to it because now there's only a, a certain amount yeah. of time. Yes. For it or what? What's the one the next week? It's not Black Friday. It's Amazon. Uh, it's it's the Tuesday. Monday. 
Monday. Yeah, uh, I think it's called Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday. Oh, yeah. Cyber Monday. Yeah, Cyber Monday. Monday. Yeah. I was like, is that Technology a... Tuesday? I think it's Cyber Monday. It but is Cyber Monday. The same idea where it's and Small Business Saturdays, which I do really, uh, I appreciate. Yeah, yes. but but there but there's always there's going to be something for the poll. And yeah, I, yeah and I think when they yeah. add the time element in mm-hmm. with this special deal, mm-hmm. I think it makes us more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, to to that comparison mm-hmm. and that discontent. Mm-hmm. And then there's a sense of urgency. Right. I got to decide before midnight. I got to show up at the store. I don't know if anyone does that anymore. Yeah, um, right. Wait, wait outside the store Friday morning. But but it's that that sense of urgency that I think it would be really helpful for us to mm-hmm. go into the Christmas starting Thanksgiving with our guard up in mm-hmm. some respects and realizing mm-hmm. what, um, is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something that you're saying when you're touching on this topic of the consumerism versus contentment. Yeah. I was thinking that um, much like when we're talking about relationships and we learn to pray for the person that you're having a hard time with because God will give you his heart for that mm-hmm. person. It just made me think if how much do we pray for this area? In order to one pursue transformation, there I don't know <laughs> just that how often thing. are we praying? Right. But second, pursuing God's heart. You know, like God, I'm not gonna spontaneously start craving right. to do all this, but like start praying for the people you need. Start praying for intentionally adding those elements to your prayer life to nurture God's heart. In for those people or for those areas of needs and allow yeah. that to to grow in us. And that yeah. and the time to start is now. Yes. Like the because of the season that we know is ahead of us, being able to start praying for that, seeing the needs around us, seeing what's actually I would love to like be able to sit down with Paul and have our generosity. This is what we really want to yeah. do this year yep. before we even yeah. take a moment to say, what do I want? What do the kids want? What, you know, yeah. that would, that is a, that is a good heart goal for mm-hmm. sure. I, I, you know, you think of the Lord's prayer. I've never thought of it this way, but lead us not into temptation. Right. We're always yeah. praying other temptations. Do right? we pray for the temptation of greed? No. Are we praying Going into this season that's all about consumerism, Lord, lead me not into that. Yeah. Yeah. And then praying for his kingdom to come in these other people's lives. I mean, even the Lord's prayer, the simplicity of that Mm -hmm. would be a way to pray about this in our lives. That's really good. Yeah. That is really good. Yeah. When do we pray against the temptation of uh, lack of gratitude? Yep. Or, (laughs) yeah, consumerism. Yeah, that's really true. We think of, yeah, all sorts of other temptations. Right, right. right. Of lying or lust right. or whatever. Yeah. That's what we initially think of. But, yeah. you know, Greece this is a, way up there. Oh, this is huge. <laughs> yes. This is, it's huge. Yeah. Because, too, we get those tiny moments of joy when we fulfill those. Yep. You know. You're right. That's a little so, it's a joy. Tiny a bit. He got a little touch of it. <laughs> that order Not the, yeah. for two days. I can't wait till he comes. And then it comes like, 
Well, here it is. Yeah. yeah. It's so, that's so true. <laughs> but the but the joyful person then is the generous person yes. and how that just. And works. I love how you brought that back to the end about the cheerful giving and how it really is a heart. It's a heart posture mm-hmm. situation. It's not about, all right, I'll start doing it. No, God wants our hearts to experience this joy. Yeah. And, and this deep experience of being detached, not being not being held captive mm-hmm. in this world of, um, yeah, just all for me and being free. Mm-hmm. Like Stetson talked last week, being free from this fear and right. experience this kind of freedom and this kind of joy and how that's God's heart for us. So I really like that, the cheerful giving and remi- yeah. that reminder of the heart posture so i think it's that's the biggest lie of the enemy that we just have all or so many of us have bought into oh it's another message on generosity you know what i mean there's mm-hmm. this we we just have this immediate almost knee-jerk negative mm-hmm. response rather than when we connect yeah. it to the joy yeah. of it, suddenly we're the ones missing yeah. on yeah. joy, on right. rejoicing, on merriment, on fun, you know, on laughter, and all the ways those things connect with generosity. So it's very interesting um, the way our flesh or the enemy or something has clouded this topic so right. that it gets completely disconnected from joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. Yeah. Any other thoughts? No, this. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be back here in this seat, and I'm gonna talk about my generosity yes. list. Yes, <laughs> good job. <laughs> and I'll go. Oh yeah, we talked about that. Nice. Twice. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you guys. And we hope you guys have an awesome whatever whatever Rest day of time. Your day. Yeah, yours. Yes. So bye.